Say It With Guitars. I'm your host, Pete Cornelius. Each episode, I'll be digging deep and getting to hang with some of Australia's finest guitar pickers, songwriters, producers, collectors, and makers. I look forward to bringing you these fun conversations and I hope you enjoy Say It With Guitars. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Say It With Guitars, the podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks to John Parsons for last week's episode. Hope you've all had a chance to check out John's guitars on the old Instagram. Some beautiful looking and uh, sounding instruments there. Thanks, John. And today, yeah, very happy to bring you the conversation I had with my good friend Shannon Bourne. He's a monster guitar player, heck of a nice guy. And uh, yeah, always good to hang out and chat about guitar related things with Shannon. He's a very passionate and um, committed dude. He loves what he does and you can tell through his music. Check out his albums, folks. And uh, yeah, enjoy the chat with Shannon. Before we crack into today's show, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Mr. Billy Tarrant from Tarrant Guitars. Billy's an amazing luthier and he makes some real sweet instruments. I'm lucky enough for him to have built me a double O size acoustic guitar which I've dragged all around the country and it's sounding better than ever. So yeah, check out tarrantguitars.net.au. Tessie's one-stop custom workshop for custom-made guitars, all guitar repairs and services. Let's get into the show. All right, I'd like to welcome to today's episode of Say It With Guitars, Mr. Shannon Bourne. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning, Pete. How are you, man? I'm very well. Yeah, I'm just, uh, just did the school drop. The kids are at school. I, um... And I did a, my little guitar lesson I do on a Friday morning in town. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm now here having a chat with you and a cup of tea. So this is, the morning's going great. Well, that sounds pretty sweet, man. I'm looking <laughs> at your guitars up the back there and I'm noticing that there's at least three empty racks. So your, co- <laughs> your co- collection is complete. Oh, no, four. There's four empty racks. There's a few empty racks. Um, the reasoning for that... Is not because I need – well, I do need more guitars, but um, I have got them up in the studio and they're in cases. I've been um, busy rehearsing and getting shows on for next week. There's a a cool program that the Festival of Voices are putting on called the Tasmanian Songbook and there's about – I'm guessing there's about eight or ten guests all singing songs of their own either about Tasmania or – were written here or have some significance and probably doing a cover as well that include Tasmania somehow. So, right. yeah, we're going on the road next week and doing three shows in some beautiful sort of theatre-style venues. So that's why there's oh, a T-Rex. deluxe. <laughs> Gig's back, Lovely. baby. Yeah, aren't they ever. How's, how's things in your neck of the woods, Shannon? I can't see any guitars on your wall there, but there is some boxes. Is that all merch? Waiting to sell. Oh, that's all uh, Chris Wilson merch in the. I'm I'm in the house, so I'm in the computer room, which is full of lots of CDs that need to move and bits and pieces. So cool. Yeah. How are gigs and things for you, yeah. mate? You're staying active. Um, 
Yeah, actually, I've, I've got a, um, a couple of beauties this weekend. It's the Leaps and Bounds Festival uh, in Melbourne and they're doing this, they've been trying to put on this event for the last two years, uh, but because of COVID, because COVID, yes. um, it's been moved and moved and moved and rescheduled. So finally it's happening. So tomorrow afternoon, well into the evening, they're doing an event at the Abbotsford Convent called Fitzroyalty, which is a celebration of all the old 90s Fitzroy bands, Steve Purcell's Pearly Shells, Paul Williamson's Hammond Combo, um, a lot of those great bands. And I'm playing there with Checkerboard Lounge, doing a couple of sets. And uh, on Sundays, a celebration of a lot of the old Punters Club mob. And I'm playing with Sarah Carroll and Ben and George. We're going to do one of Sarah's songs and we're going to do one of Chris's songs. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. I did notice... Um, I looked at the tube last night of some some of your work and a song popped up of Sarah's that must have just come out, has it? Something about uh, Haunted Highway, is that oh, what it's called? That's, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw your name under the credits. We recorded that. Yeah, that's right, my guitar's in, in the throng there. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to, um, when I was in America, I bought a, like a 60 seven country gentlemen in Louisiana and um, that's what I used on that track and it, it just came up fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Great yes. film clip. Yeah. I had that little um, little chuckle once the boys started, um, started chucking some dust around, doing some dancing. Yeah. I know. Line dancing. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Should we talk about your trip to the States you went on recently? So... Is that the one you're talking about that the MBAS, you guys won the, um, not you guys, the Checkerboard Lounge won the MBAS and went to Memphis? Is that what you're talking about where you bought that, Cretch? That's right, yeah. Um, so I guess that was uh, 2020, I think, we were there. Yeah, yeah, just before. Um, just before the proverbial hit the just before, fan. Yeah, just before the sneeze got about. And, um, yeah, <laughs> So I play in this band, Checkerboard Lounge, and they're a bit of a Melbourne institution. I've been playing in the band for maybe 15 years now or something like that. Um, but we've really ramped it up in like the last seven years or something. But particularly in the last three or four, it's been going great. Um, yeah, we went over to compete in the International Blues Challenge, which takes place in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, we made it to the... Uh, to the semi-finals, you know, so we got through, we made the cut from, you know, 380-odd bands down to 24. And uh, then they have, I think they have 10 or 11 finalists. So I like to say, you know, we came 12th. Great. Overall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just outside, the, just outside that bracket. Um, but whilst we were there, we, we took the opportunity to do some recording now, and we were initially meant to do our recording at a studio in Texas run by an expat. His name's Dave Boyle. He's got right. a church somewhere outside of Austin, and uh, he records there. And we were going to sort of make this trip down to Austin and do a recording. But at the start of the uh, trip, we did this tour of Sarnham, just 
thought, oh, Jesus, it'd be great to record here too, you know. And so <laughs> yeah. it happened. We got some time and we went in on a Monday night after all the comp had finished and we did, we slammed out something like 15 tracks. That's including like two, two second takes over about four hours. So we got, uh, wow. we just went in and played. So... does sound like you guys are playing together as a cohesive unit there's no tricks and bells and whistles it just sounds like dudes in a room sounds great yeah and it's and it's it really captures the uh, you know the flightiness of the band you know because at any point any one of us could um throw a grenade at somebody and you know you got to run and you got to find a, a, a new way to play the song so that's that's part of the fun of that band is that everyone's got their ears on and I'm a real firm believer if if you're listening and if you're listening to everybody you never run out of things to play yeah you know, there's things you know you can jump off a snare hit you can you can fall into the cracks of a of a Hammond organ line or something like that and then you know bang you turn the music inside and out you know yeah 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 that's a good way to look at it too is to really open up your receptors to whatever everyone's throwing down in the band and that way that way it is really is a teamwork it's not just like you know shoegazing and see you at the end it's like mm. let's let's all go through this together and let's try and inspire each other or let's just have a good time with it and yeah, the energy of that band's really great it's very exciting and every time i see it it's a different vibe different sort of um, take on those classic songs and yeah really like it um, so can you tell us a little bit about the sun thing um, was all the did you guys okay so I'm guessing when you flew you pretty much flew with minimal stuff because that's you know how people fly yeah. was was everything pretty much set up and mic'd up and ready to go 
from previous sessions, you guys just turned up and I know you use house amps, I'm presuming, and um, house kit. And- yeah, so the room, yeah, um, the the room, everything's in the room there. There's, you know, as you know, you would have been there, the, the guitars are all around the room right. and there's, you know, a pile of nice amps in the corner and drum kit at the end and, you know, a, an Ampeg B15 Portaflex yeah. sitting there and you go, well, that's a bass sounds great through one of those damn things. So um, what we travelled with, I just took a, I've got a pretty nice, um, really lightweight, heavy-duty road case. Um, so I just took a Telecaster and like a Boost Fuzz pedal and that was just what I used for um, the comp and just used whatever back line was there. Yep. And uh, for the recording, you know, there's there's an old tweed Fender Deluxe there and you go, well, I've always wanted to play through one of those and just set that up, got it to the right volume, um, which wasn't it, – it had a lot more than I expected it to have um, and it was nice because it didn't get into that splotchy zone as well. It stayed pretty clean and I didn't do any fussing with – um, the EQ once I'd kind of set the volume, I think like I had the volume on about three or something and the tone on about six or seven. And so when I'm using a Telecaster, that's what I'm using. And then I used uh, one of those K-Thin Twins. Oh, yeah. And I just plugged in, didn't touch any of the knobs, just that's that guitar through that amp with the same, all with the same settings. Great. And I used an ES-135 that was there as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim used the Hammond that was there, and there's a few little tricks and things he likes to do with the Hammond, but he couldn't he couldn't get in the back of it to heat it up. So sure. we all really just had to work with what we had. You know? Yeah, that's great. And I think sometimes those yeah. those limits on each side can really inspire you. You know, you sort of work within what you've got. And yeah, I think it's a good way to, to handle it instead of making a fuss and go, I can't work in these conditions. You know, it's like, cool, all right, challenge <laughs> accepted, let's do it. Um, yeah. And was there a real yeah. small amp you use? Because it sounds like one of the songs, it sounds like you're using like a tiny little champ or a, something even smaller, a little Bronco or something. I don't know. I reckon that would, that would be on um, Bottle Your Love, I think that song, yeah, that. That's the K Thin Twin, so it's out of phase. Oh yeah, okay. So it's got that honky, honky small out of phase sound, and but yeah, it's it's quite literally it's the same it's the same amp. It was all the deluxe, okay. you know. Great. Yo 
Yeah, yeah, I recently picked up a deluxe. Yeah. It's just a clone, like our kit. But I'm having so much fun with it. God, it's just such a diverse amp for, you know, one channel really and a tone knob. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you jump channels or you just, just plug into one channel and the other volume knob actually interacts with the channel that you're using even though it's not plugged in sometimes, like stuff like that. just so cool. Yeah, just so many little anomalies with those amps. And it, it kind of, you know, I mean, COVID's been great for sort of sitting down with the gear you have and going, or like I've gone like right into the guitars I have and pick versus fingers and then going through strings and, yeah. you know, just trying to extract as much as I can between the instrument and the amp before I even think of affecting it, you know. Yeah. Keeping it pure and simple and and um, nothing to hinder the hinder the emotion or the the channel of thought you might be into at the time. Mm. Nice. Um, yeah. So, right. what sort of guitars have you been into lately, mate? Have you picked any? I oh, probably haven't picked any up lately, have you? Any, any newbies, or have you? Um, well, there's always stuff on the boil. Um, <laughs> I'm picking up an amp this week. I, um, I sourced out like a, a late fifties, early sixties Ampeg M15, mm. which um, is like a twenty twenty five watt amp with a JBL one thirty F fifteen inch speaker in it. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what have I been playing? I, I bought a um, it's a fifty five Gretsch Electromatic that friend was selling and somebody put a TK Smith pickup in in at the bridge so it's not, you know, 100% stock but, it, I mean, yep. it turns it into a much more versatile guitar. Um, I've been really loving using that and working with flat wounds on that and it's just a different, oh, yeah. different guts and my hands, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like playing an acoustic in terms of its physicality because... You know, you gotta you gotta really lay into it to get what you need to get out of it, as opposed to my three three five is a hammer of the gods, and I can just I can just touch a note and it'll do something fantastic. But this Gretsch, I've kind of got to work with it, you know. And um, and as you know, Gretsches aren't aren't big for sustain, so you've got to keep moving on them, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful looking thing. I um I have seen you post a few videos and, and photos of that particular guitar and it looks like quite an oversized mm. body too compared to what they ended up sort of doing their mass production in the sixties. And yeah, to put flat wounds on yeah, that, it's even it is. It's, it's even more spongy. So yeah, you'd be like Yeah, playing it totally in a different mind space. Yeah, totally. Just 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 working, you know, just working hard at it to get the best I can out of it you know that's a lot of it there's a there's a music shop here and I put a guitar in for a setup recently and it's um when I was great really great Robert Cray strats with the hard tail yeah and um which I don't care what anyone says it's it's not like it's not like a strat with a trim or without a trim it's it's just it's its own beast you know um I reckon everything everything everything's fatter and it's funny playing like playing some Hendrix bits and not having a whammy bar there, so you have to really <laughs> rely on your hands and 
other things to, to pull, you know, otherworldly sounds. Yeah. Um, and, but I got it set up and, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll set the action up higher for you. Now. And you did and it's just like this just isn't high enough. It's just so I've got to get the strings up because um, it is fun to get under the strings and, and, and work them. I, I don't trust a guitar if it's too easy to play and I don't like the way I play if it's too easy to play because I'll just play more. Yes, you know. Absolutely, that's very wise words. I and I wholeheartedly agree with you there. I think it needs to be a bit of a bit of a fight back. You sort of some sort of you know relationship that you can sort of have with your instrument instead of it mm. being too easy. And yeah, like you said, it's it's quite an invitation to play far too much if it's too easy. So yeah, a bit of a struggle's good. I like that idea. Yeah, I've been experimenting with strings as well. Um, there's a, a gauge I noticed. Um, yeah. Ernie Ball bought out. I, th- I can't think what they're called. Maybe they're called like a beefy slinky or no, not beefy. They're called something else. It's it's like eleven to maybe fifty four or something like that. So the the wound three are actually quite heavy, and then the plain three are just normal. And that feels great on a Gibson scale. I've been really yeah. enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. I always um, have always gone for you know at least an eleven on a Gibson, eleven yeah. to. Yeah, 11 to 54 is such a great gauge on a Gibson that just gives you the right amount of tension, fight back. And um, I was trying to think about other things. I've, I've got an, I've got like a, an MJT Esquire that um, I've got, I think I've got 11 to 56 on that. And it's amazing because you just get all that acoustic guitar yeah. bounce and thwack on those low strings. Turns them into rhythm instruments, you know. They're just fantastic. I noticed you got that little uh, Gibson combo. Those sort of mid nineties. Um, are they like a Trace Elliott style amp? Those Gibson ones. Yeah, so Trace Elliott um, were building them, and then Gibson bought the company and sort of absorbed it, and just you know, turn them from green, uh, turn them from green to brown, and yep. the you know, the metal on the speaker thing and, um, yeah, I, I've, I've used that at a couple of gigs now and with um, I, I lo- what I love about it is the stereo effects loop, putting a, a Strymon Deco in the effects loop and just having that little bit of a, you know, a slight lag between uh, speakers right. and yep. stuff. It's, it just, yeah, it makes it big and three-dimensional and you can run it either parallel or in series. So, uh, you know, parallel is just like um, making a little siding and having your effect up there and mixing it in. It runs beside the sound as opposed to when you're running it in series, it places it, I think it places it between the power amp and the preamp. So it's part of the circuit. So um, I've kind of been digging running it in parallel, just just alongside and blending it in. just to give it the right amount of warmth and stuff that because it's an EL84 amp, it's got it can get, get get a bit spiky on the top end. So having the deco there just around it ever so slightly on the top there is really nice. Yeah. That's cool little little tricks you've got going on there. Um and I guess those sort of things come from just experimentation and I guess just time and, and years of 
devoting yourself to, to tone. Um, and I've always been a big fan of your tone, regardless of what instrument you're playing, because you do you do play a lot of different guitars. It's like when you, when I think of Shannon Bourne, I don't think of a Strat or a Tele or a Gretsch. I just think of appropriateness, <laughs> things that are, or or even inappropriateness, like things that are um, obnoxious on purpose. You know, things that make you sort of squirm a little bit. So it's so it's always. Um, Always a joy to hear what you're up to tonally um, with amps and things, and yeah, those those decos are a good bit of good bit of kit. They don't, you know, they they do a bit. There's a bit in there once you start digging around with them. But I kind of like using one side as a tape delay, like a slap backy sort of double tracky thing, and then the other side is like a bit of a boost or a like you said, just taking the top end off things on a spiky sort of amp. Or even in front of a big clean, or uh, sorry, on the on the end of a bright sort of fuzz, sort of takes a lot of that top end off as well, which is mm. a nice little trick. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a really sweet. Yeah, it it just sweetens things ever so slightly. I also like to put it like some for some of my videos I do where I'm using doing maybe like acoustic things. I'm using like a, a desk. I'll, I'll just put it in a stereo effects loop and oh, yeah. just use it on the mix. And so you get that, you know, so-called tape flavour across the mix, um, which is a cool little thing. And yep. But, you know, you'll be able to pick, up, pick one up pretty cheap now because all the version 2s have just come out. So all the... Uh, all the Strymon version one stuff will be going at at crazy prices. Ah, okay. I have noticed a few on the market yeah. these days and that would be why. Mm-hmm. That's right, mate. You know, these worship guitarists, they need to stay, uh, <laughs> they need to stay updated in the restaurant. Yep, yep. Got to keep the tone um, updated. That's, That's right. Tr- Church tone. <laughs> Um, as a, a Strymon distributor who lives up the road in St Helens, so it's a dangerous relationship having him up there. He's um, always happy to lend me the new greatest thing. You use that stuff really well, though. Like I remember when I came down to Tasmania and we did that little run years ago. Yeah. I was yeah, I was barking mad at that point. Um, but yeah, you were using all that Strymon stuff really well, like the you know all that Lex work and. All the interest. It's like, yeah, I can play guitar, but I just want to listen to you play guitar because I just get to hear me play guitar all the time. <laughs> yeah, but I was the same. I just wanted to hear you play guitar, so we we're probably like not playing much at all, just waiting for each other to Someone say something. Someone play something. Yeah, come on, drum solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go, Bo. Go, Bo. Um, Shall we have a little chat about that? Let's let's talk about your last trip down. Well, actually, that might not have been your last trip, but that was the trip that you hung out with us and we got to play the Adventure Bay Blues Festival down in Bruni and we were lucky enough yeah. to have you play with our band, our trio. Um, so we are sort of learning your songs, playing behind you and interacting and having a fat time and we did some shows around the state, which is bloody great. Yeah. Always fun doing that kind of thing, interacting and having a fresh approach, especially to a trio that we, we work in all the time. It's always nice to have a different little bit of spice on top to sort of shake us out of our um, comfort a bit. So, yeah, I don't know, you got anything yeah. you want to add to, to that little 
Tazzy trip you came down? Oh, man, I, I just I just loved it. You know, I just had a great time, and it was just really great to getting to know yourself and your band on a on a deeper level because we'd always, you know, kind of seen each other checking in or passing by at festivals or to actually sort of get to spend some real quality time in car trips and and all that stuff is, is you know, I, I just had, I couldn't remember the last time I had as much fun on a little trip as I had with you guys because it was just, God, you know, like touring is, touring is hard enough without, you know, trying to make it hard. So just the fact that touring can be joyous and with yeah. a bunch of, guys who are all of a like mind and and really sensitive sensible guys as well which is different you know I've toured with all sorts of personalities and um yeah sometimes uh touring was harder than it should have been so yeah it's always a breath of fresh air when I get those new experiences and just go you know what yeah touring's ace it can just be <laughs> great with the right people it really yeah. matters yeah, it really goes to show, hey, how much mingling aspect um, plays a part of um, the whole experience because, you know, you, you spend so little time on stage where you actually really the bulk of the time is just hanging out and getting to know other people and if, if that time's not enjoyable or if if it's a painful, you know, experience and you just can't wait to play, it sort of it does make you wonder... Especially if you're away from home, it's like, oh, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing this? <laughs> so yeah, it's always gratifying yeah, right. and um, good, good for the mind and soul to to make it fun and to go home feeling like you've filled your cup up in more than one way. So yeah, yeah. So that that was my my experience and and just getting to see a bit more of the state and um, yeah, just just having having laughs and, you know, those just jokes <laughs> that will, uh, that, that still manage to get a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Between the three of us. So, yeah. You know. Even the dog's laughing. But I remember, <laughs> I remember when we were doing that gig down in St. Yeah. Down in St. <laughs> Helens. And, um, I think it was like, I remember looking online and seeing that like Danny Kerwin had just passed away or something that night. And, um, so I was kind of thinking about that, but we, you know, we went out on stage and it was like five degrees. It was middle of winter, yeah. It was <laughs> and, so cold. Yeah. And I remember my Octavia sounded like shit <laughs> because it was germanium and, yeah. you know, everything was cold and like, oh, my God, that thing just sounds the worst. To take it out <laughs> of the chain and, you know. God. And I think my amp was playing up too. Something was going on with that. Vibra King you were borrowing too. I know that wasn't quite up to its 100% either. That was kind of, I think that was feeling the cold. So, but that's what makes that sort of shit fun, hey? Like you're just battling with what you've got dealt with and the show goes on. That's right, yeah. yeah. All huddling freezing. around the back of the ant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to get some warmth off the tubes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm just trying to, trying to think back when mate um i first heard about your guitar playing it must have been from the republic bar i used to play at the republic bar in hobart maybe you know once every three weeks or four weeks when i was 15 sort of 16 pretty young um got a good relationship with the bar down there and all the staff and 
all the clients held used to come to our gigs. And I think you'd visited with Chris in the Spider-Man trio and I had yeah. um, everyone going, oh, my God, this guitar player that plays with Chris is insane. Like you need to check him out. So I didn't get to meet you on that sort of level for a while. I think it must have been one of the festivals, maybe Naruma or somewhere we've got to hang out initially and then yeah. – um, God, man, Naruma was such a hoot when you think back about the interactions and the people that we got to see and got to meet and it was such a trip, that festival. Mm. And I, I vividly remember yeah, there wasn't any. you telling me um, that I needed to buy a Gretsch. I don't think I had a Gretsch at that time. <laughs> you, <laughs> and I didn't have a choice. I had to buy a Gretsch and I, and I, and I did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Was I right? Was I right? <laughs> look, look on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it? There it is. Yeah, um, that was the, the thing about the Naruma Festival was um, it wasn't like a star trip, you know, like everybody shared the same sort of green room and people were accessible. Well, they were as accessible as they wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but just being able to sort of walk around and see, you know, fantastic performers and um, watch stuff side stage, you know, yeah. it, it didn't have any, uh, you know, that um, wasn't up itself that festival. It was really nice um, vibe and and yeah, I, I guess I remember the first time I heard about your playing was through Chris Thompson. Oh sure, yep, right. So. Um, I was going in to record the Spider-Man album with Chris and, you know, we'd set up or whatever and he was just talking about this amazing young guitar player from Tasmania that he wanted to make a doco about and that he was, <laughs> you know, well into and, you know, he sort of you know, was dropping all this stuff and I was just like, well, I wonder who this guy is, you know. <laughs> Who's yeah, this schmuck? Well. And yeah. so, you know, we... Yeah, <laughs> so we started going to down to Tasmania, and those actually those Republic Bar gigs were amongst a handful of like really amazing, like magical things would happen at that venue, and um, just the memories of being on that stage in the trio, just drums, guitar, and harmonica, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd come from playing in bands that had bass players, and I was always sort of um, for want of a better term, the stunt guitarist. And um, so to sort of be forced to dig in hard on rhythm and and sort of learn how to perpetuate movement in the crowd through the way I was driving a guitar and an amp and and then the way that would work between myself and the drummer, you know, because Chris was um, Chris Wilson, that's who we're talking about in here just so if I say Chris that's who I mean um you know he he was a that was always one of his favorite lineups was just drums guitar drums and guitar bands and because the Rolling Stones is really Keith and Charlie and so that's what he was doing was just for a year and a half as a band we played just drums guitar and harmonica was sort of ornamental you know that was kind of the lead instrument so we would um learning how to make a band gel and click in that way before he even thought about bringing a bass player into the band, 
So, you know, it was real hard yard stuff, but it was fantastic because I just had to come up with a new way of playing and it was like, how do I keep the bass line going and keep the groove and stuff, but sort of play lead lines and then, you know, and so I sort of worked out this way of playing and it, you know, it's a very physical way of playing yeah. and it just and would always yeah. hurt. But so when we went down to those Tasmania gigs, just just memories of the doors being closed and the windows steaming up and Chris just prowling and yeah. um, us just, you know, him just throwing stuff out there and just coming up with riffs and things on the spot because, like, that's, you know, I, I reckon that's, for me personally, that like that's where the life is. That's where the living is. It is out on the edge and it is when you have a band that can go with you or you go with a band, that's... That's that's as, as alive as music can get, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. That's, that's the addicting element, you know. And especially if yeah. if you're at the centre of that, you know, if you're playing the melody and you're playing the rhythm, and there's no one to coordinate with, like if Chris is not playing harmonica at the time, you could you could take it anywhere. Like if yeah, there's no limits with that at all. Like it's just a matter of um, Dave Foley just going, all right, cool, I'm going to keep this groove going and Bournes is just going to, going to fly yeah. around and take us on a trip and Chris is just going to bring yeah. it back down and we're going to have a fat night. So, yeah, yeah it's a bloody great yeah. way to not only get your chops in order but your um, – because those gigs would have went for two, three hours, like long, long gigs and, yeah. Yeah. you know – to play that kind of guitar for two to three hours is that's a that's a bit of work. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> so that's a, that's a wicked way to really you know get into a style and and just get yeah your head around different sense of the instrument. So that's would have been great. So how old were you when you reckon you first started playing with the the Spider Man? Or was projects with Chris before I was that? You're 20. Um, so I was I was like 20 years old and uh, we just started playing as a duo at the, the Rob Roy Hotel in um, like Carlton there. And so we'd play every Tuesday night and just work up a repertoire. And then after, I think maybe after a month and a half or something like that, he pulled Dave into play some drums and so, you know, bring down a snare and a bass drum and and yep. all that. And that was how we kind of worked worked that up. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, sort of looking back on it, it, it seems sort of amazing and magical. And, it, and, you know, it means I think at the time I was just sort of head down, just working, trying to make it all work. So I didn't really have time to think about it too much. I didn't really have time to think about it at all. It was, it was going to work, you know. Yeah. That's yep. what it was, and um, great things happened, and not great things happened, but that's, <laughs> you know, back it's, in those days, um, you know, people didn't have a phone with a camera in your pocket <laughs> and filming every fucking waking moment of your life. Yeah, yeah, that was probably more of an encouragement to branch out and to try things as well. Like I know that. Well, it doesn't affect me. I don't really care about that at the moment. But I'm sure there would be some young up-and-coming groups that are just so conscious of 
of everything being filmed, every living, breathing moment of your creative life is being, you know, captured and it's probably going to be put on public domain and and therefore you can be judged on every little thing you do. Like it's, yeah, it's probably not an ideal way to really get your shit together. You're right. You are 100% right. It's like, you know, you should be able to write some new songs and just go out and test them and um, see how you feel about it. You know, everyone uh, everyone wants to, you know, and, and there's also part of me is grateful for that element too because there are great moments in gigs that have been captured by in, the, in those elements yeah. um, as well. So, you know, it's sort of you've got to, got to take what you can really, I guess, and when someone passes away like Chris passing away, you know, those moments that people capture become really precious. Yep. So, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just a, a matter of being okay with yourself and with what you've done and just treating it as like that was how it went down, that was it, let's make the next one twice as good mm. or just just becoming okay with it instead yeah. of being too harsh and criticising yourself for for having a go. So. Yeah, and you, but you, you know, you work yourself to a point where you get so strong within yourself. You, you know, you know what you what you're gonna bring to a show. You know, you're gonna be serious about it. So, um, I know I'm sort of talking about Chris a little bit here, but you know, one of the most important things, that you, really, when you boil it down, is that you should finish every show and get in your car and drive home and just know that you gave everything you could give to that situation and play the best you could play. That is as, that, that's as much as you can really expect is that you did a great job for yourself yeah. and you can hold your head up. And that's the real basic part of it. You know, people get wrapped up in all the shit that surrounds it, but, you know, good musicians and good, good front, front men and women and people, if the idea was to have a great time together as a band and all that stuff and you all had a great time and people had a great time, well, that's great. You achieved your, your objective. As a player, I like to know that I didn't leave anything in the tank and I, it, it's, you know, it's all, it's all gone, you know. Like imagine, imagine half-assing a gig and then that's your last show that you play, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. Why? Yeah.
how do you get to that zone? Do you have a particular um, like stern words to yourself before a gig or have you kind of gotten to that point now where once you put a strap on you know, over your shoulders, you're like you're in that zone or like is there a particular way that you warm up or you get yourself – like I find that driving really helps. I know that especially with our busy lives, um, you know, me here with the kids and, you know, just – the house and all these sort of domestic things that can occupy so much of your brain and your time. If, if I do a, a show down the road and I haven't had half an hour or an hour in the car to just sort of like prepare, like I'm, not, I'm not thinking about the songs, I'm not yeah. thinking about, I'm just like, you know, maybe going, oh, I can, you know, <laughs> plug this in and I can stomp on that pedal yeah. and, and I can sing this song tonight maybe because I haven't sung it for a while. Like... What's, you know, do, do you do that in the car a bit as well or do you like have a thing at the venue you'd like to get there with or what's your pre-gig thing? Yeah, um, what's my pre-gig thing? Um, well, I, I like to be as sorted as possible gear-wise, um, just getting some time to sit down and put together the right pedal board and take the right amp and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, yep, like you, the drive is meditation it's such an important part of the whole trip and the driving to the gig is a very different energy to the drive home yeah uh and in terms of getting in the zone you know i just i just know i'm i care enough to sort of be slightly to slightly doubt myself enough to to keep pushing you know yeah, so but like like you the dr- driving is such an important aspect of it and the drive home is just such a satisfying thing and you can do I'll have a I'll have a period of silence and then I'll put some music on and then you get into sort of these kind of magical hours where like I just have real distinct memories of being on the road driving at certain times of night and a certain it's like when a certain song comes in and it's like the right time of night everything's right and it's just like time stops for that like i, yeah. I remember doing a drive home from um from bendigo after a gig at the golden i know the 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 gold dust lounge and um yep i think it, it hit about two o'clock in the morning and i had this compilation of stuff in really interesting stuff on this cd and then, but then it just it hit into um, "Love in Vain" that Robert Johnson. Oh yeah, right. And it was yeah. just after two o'clock in the morning, and that came on, and it was just like, <laughs> like everything <laughs> went into slow motion. And Fantastic. I just felt like I was a part of something, something bigger than, bigger than me, you know. And yep. that's the magic of, of the best music is that it just has that ability to take you out of yourself, you know, and... Because I'm sure if you heard that yeah. song in another context, like it just wouldn't have the same effect. But at that particular moment in time, no. you were accepting it, you are willing, like it just bang, it was the right thing you needed at that particular time. It just, yeah, that's such an amazing uh, tool or, or the way that we accept music at certain times. It's such a profound effect on us and um 
Yeah, and that's what I love about it. Like it and I'm sure if there were other people in the car too, I wouldn't have affected them at all. Maybe it would have been like, oh, yeah, here's this Robert mm. Johnson chin. Whereas you were just like, here it is. This is just, this is just what I need. And yeah, do do you think that's a practice art though? Do you think that what you're talking about, the driving, like the 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 mental kind of relaxed state that you're putting yourself in in the car? Just just say. I lived in the middle of Brunswick and I was going down to, I don't know, oh, what's what's the venue there these days? <laughs> you're going to the Rainbow somewhere. Brunswick? And, yeah, or the Labour in Vain yeah. or you're just doing like one of these little shows and you haven't got that yeah. time or capacity to, to chill before in transit, you know, like do, do you think that's a practice start, like mm. living out of, the, in, out of the city a bit and sort of hopping in a car and that's like part of, part of your lifestyle choice? Uh yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, you know, musicians, within reason, can can live can live anywhere because they will go anywhere to travel to to work. You know, and a drive across town, I'm more likely to listen to talkback radio than go in deep on some music. You know, it's just the right thing at the right time, and yeah. um, or nothing at all. You know. A, very rarely listen to music that sort of G's me up because I'm usually so nervous that, you know, there's enough going on with my brain. <laughs> you know? yeah. Did I post did I post the gig on Facebook? Did I push it enough? Yeah. You know, all that all that shit that you have to worry about. Then really, you can't make anyone do anything. You can't make people come to your gigs. No. You just do your gigs and what people do with their lives is their business, whether they want to come out or not, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. How do you go with all that? Um, have you ever, ever had a, a manager or a publicist or anyone like that sort of on your side helping out or has it always been a solo endeavour? Some some venues have in-house people that will sort of give it a push and, and I'll, you know, I'll give it a push within reason because there's also part of you that's going, Oh God! I'm just going to get up in people's faces, and you know, there's a million other things to go and see, and and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, I know that I'm good at what I do, and there's always a core of supporters that will come and hear what I have to do, and what I do is getting wider. It, it's it's sort of it's it's broadening because. I can't stay still in one one place, you know. Um, and in terms of having a manager and all that sort of, no, I haven't. I haven't had a manager. I've, I've just sort of kept going from gig to gig and, you know, I've got a big loyalty streak in me as well. So I'm playing with someone I really love and that's shown belief in me and faith in me and I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it back, you know. Yep. So, yep. um I remember somebody sat with me in a band room. They said, oh, well, you've done all right for yourself, haven't you, mate? And I just said, do you think I planned any of this? I didn't plan any of this. This isn't like, you know, this isn't like a fucking business decision I made. Yeah. You know, I play music. I play guitar and I've gravitated and gone and seen the people I love that were really have something vital to offer the community and people and, you know, so I've just been driven by that stuff. It's never been driven by 
who's popular, you know, because it's so fucking value, vacuous and thin and bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people you see, you can see they've got their fucking marketing down before they've even got their music down. <laughs> and you can just hear it, you yeah. know, like, oh, they've got the font and the look and it looks like this and it's like, oh, I've got to go see this guy. And you hear it and you go, what? Yeah. What was that? Where's the, where's the substance? Where's the you know, actual honesty and the passion? It's that's the right. Because at the end, fucking end of the day, it's a, it is about the music and it's what you have to offer and it's what you give people, you know? Yeah. People should yeah. walk into a gig and then walk out of it feeling different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. True words. Another question or two. Don't want to take up too much of your yeah. time. No, you're playing anywhere tonight? Oh, yeah. any, any gigs tonight, Shannon? Not this evening, but I'm, yeah. I've got the Leaps and Bounds Festival on the, on the weekend. So tomorrow I'm playing two sets with Checkerboard Lounge down at the Abbotsford Convent, which will be heaps of fun. And then I'm playing with Sarah and the boys on Sunday, which will be a whole bunch of different type of fun. And um, I think I've got a quiet week coming up. But, you know, then we're sort of getting into the end of August and – you know, little blues festivals are coming up and it's actually been really great. Checkerboard Lounge is kind of stepping up into those festival realms because we've always been a bit of a, a underground Melbourne institution but have yeah. just sort of, that's what it's been, but now we're sort of getting festivals and it's just, it's sort of unlocked this whole other side of the band that that we really didn't, I think between us we knew existed but we didn't know what that looked like and so... At festivals, Carl is just, you know, he, he's just like this fucking flame in the middle of the stage and, and we're all just kind of like, you know, moths <laughs> hanging around yeah. and he's just pushing this energy out, you know. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely got a great. It's amazing. Contagious energy, that's for sure. So was that. Yeah, he sure, sure does. Festival um, scene, was that, was that a, a purposeful move within the band? Did you guys go, well, we really need to start um, branching out further with this outfit because it's so well liked or was it just a natural kind of like, did you have guys approaching you and saying, hey, come here, come here, come to our festival? It Look, it's, it look, it's a bit of both, you know. It's um, A, having some new product that sounds fantastic and we've had Cheer Squad Records sort of on board pushing the vinyl out there and so they've got a whole in-house sort of publicity thing going on. Great. And so that's that that's really helped and you just feel like yeah, you get one festival and then someone sees you and they go, oh, you're great, I know someone so that works at this festival. So it is that word of mouth thing between Tim and myself and Carl and Zoe, who's the new bass player, you know, we know enough people and have played enough festivals to go, hey, why don't we have a shot at this one? Yeah. And you just email it through to Carl and he's – He's fantastic with admin stuff, you know, it shits him, but he's he's good at it, you know. And um, so, hey, why don't we look at this festival and just, you know, he just sends out the expressions of interest and stuff starts coming back and, like, we played up at the Broad Beach Blues Festival mm -hmm. um, a few weeks, well, about a month and a half ago and you know, some guy walked up to us and he said, I can get you three or four gigs in South Australia, would you, would you want to come over? It's like. I can totally. We've never been over there. Yeah. We want to go there. Yeah. 
you know, whole new, whole new sort of market. So that's the thing, you know, is we're just a proven live act. You, you just know you're going to get something great. And really, quite simply, it is really just about the music. It's it's nothing. We're not presenting a false front. It's you know we come dressed as we are, and we may write a set set list now, which has never been what we've done. But you start a song, and whatever happens in the middle of that to the end, we really don't know what's going to happen, and that's <laughs> that's the best way to approach this band because we've we've tried to you've. We've tried to plan it out and go, why did that gig work really well? And then yeah. you just the next gig is shit because you've thought about it too much. So we yep. just start at the start and I'll see you at the end, you know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely works with that outfit, that sort of rough guideline of of the material and, and arrangements and just having the freedom to to explore and or and uh, or the courage or the support for other other members to take it somewhere and yeah, finish on the yeah. same on the same accent hopefully and do it all again the next show. So that's that's really cool. I've got a bunch of recording coming up with um I'm gonna go and do a day at Jeff Lang's place in a few weeks. So that's just that's just for me. Mm-hmm. Um but you know he he's the one guy I just trust because it's like having an extra brain and an extra set of hands. Yep. Um it's it's it is it's it's amazing to sit there with somebody like that and he can just hear those other possibilities and things it's it sometimes it feels like you know two heads sharing brains and then hands <laughs> and then you'll go that way and then yeah. you know like i just trust him implicitly with the creative process and the ability to hear where something can go and also give me sometimes the courage to to follow, go harder down into something if I am not quite right, not quite sure, you know. It's definitely great to have someone like that who isn't um, emotionally or creatively attached to the piece or to the song, who has a fresh perspective Mm. um, and especially with an opinion that you wholeheartedly trust and, you know, put your time and energy into. Yeah, such a great person to to work with, um, especially... If he's yeah. just down the road a piece, and you know you guys get along in a in a good mm. good way, so yeah, I'd I'd love that. Um, it's, it's a bit of a smaller pool of folks down here. I know that uh, there are some definitely some great creatives down here, and I I, don't, I need to find some more people to to mingle with because there's nothing quite like having that extra voice or that extra opinion or just just someone's advice or. I don't know, just just a clean perspective that's not attached mm. to the song. Because when you write a song, there's so much more than just the notes. You know, it's it's all the emotion and and the yeah. all the stuff that happens in behind the behind the song itself. So yeah, that's cool.
So is that yeah. potentially another solo yeah. record, do you think, or are you just one, one song at yeah, a time? I've, I've, oh, it's, I'm just sort of going to do it a day, at a day at a time at the moment. You know, it's, you know, I've got a handful of nice acoustic guitars that I know I'm interested in him getting some microphones in front of and hearing that. And um, so there's that, but there's the electric stuff too. So I've sort of got three ideas in my mind of stuff I want to have a shot at in the next year and a half. I'll, I'll give it a year and a half and yep. start running at some things. But, you know, I just I just need to make a start because it takes me a lot to sort of get to that point of feeling brave enough to do it, you know. <laughs> and I think having a, a space somewhere else too and an extra person to schedule is a really good incentive and a good reason to do it because far out, I know that I procrastinate so much when it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this next record, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then just yeah. like a year goes past. It's yeah. Like, oh, my shit. I haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to get it happening. You know, yeah, we can all have the recording gear and, you know, I've got a, a nice interface and I've got some nice microphones and things and that that helps. Like if I'm doing a session for somebody else at home, I'll do that and it's great. I really enjoy doing that. But when it comes to sitting down and going, okay, I'm going to record my own stuff, it's a pain in the ass. I find it easier to go to somebody else's house, get into a fresh space, like you're saying, and just have someone push record and and do some do some finessing, you know. Yeah, massage it into a, a wonderful experience. Yeah. So have you been doing a little bit of home recording for like other other people? Like you're getting files come in in your way, and you sort of play on a track and ship it back. Yep. Yeah, I did. Um, I did a track for Frank Sultana. Um, about oh, maybe a year ago, maybe, and my mate Mitch Cairns, who produced the the Russell Morris Blues trilogy stuff, he and I still we continue to work together on things, and mm-hmm. you know, he'll fly me through some tracks, and I'll just go, yeah, I'll, I'll get there, I'll get to it, and it is fun, you know, grabbing a little amplifier and a couple of microphones and just the right guitar and, and just making it sound the way you want it, the way you hear it. You yeah. know, there was this track I'd played some guitar on and I was just like, holy shit, that sounds like, you know, Blues Breakers Clapton, but I'm playing through a little, you know, six watt Alamo amp with the three three five and Yeah. You know, a little bit a little bit of magic in the preamp and stuff like that. But I just heard it and I went, and that sounds like that that sounds that sounds proper. You know, that's yeah. great. You know? Yeah. That's inspiring too. Once you've got that tone at your fingertips and you know the, the chain of events that, that happened, you can recreate that and then, yeah, you're inspired to yeah. play a particular way and I think it's such a, a great skill to have is to be able to do that on the fly or, or um, at any given moment, especially in your home comfort, such a, a good investment. Yeah. I reckon it's a good few bits of kit. Yeah, Definitely a good way to make another stream of income or, or just, just for um, education, just for getting your own shit together, like learning how things work and that way you can get to a studio perhaps and you go, okay, I need this mic, I need it to go here and, you know, yeah. you've got a bit more of an idea as opposed to just putting your tone and, and all of your hard work into the engineer's yeah. hands who might not care or might not have the same <laughs> angle. Yeah, I wonder if, like. I wonder how many albums have been just like destroyed by an engineer <laughs> that didn't really quite know how to capture somebody's sound and what they're about, you know, like, yeah. thank, you know, thank Christ the, 
the um, the quality of, of plugins and things like you know we're spoilt for choice and it's it's amazing but it's not necessarily good for music either because you know I I, I hate having to choose like the idea for the song is gone by the time I've gone through my fifth preamp trying yes. to find the right sound you know yep. so yep. pick one pick it one. works yeah do it maybe fluff around with it yep. later once once you've captured the essence of what yeah. you wanted to do, then, then go back and if you have yeah. the time and energy to do that and then go, okay, next time I'm going to do that. I'm going to start with the, the one that I ended up with perhaps. But, yeah, such a rabbit yeah, hole. You've got, to, you've got to get the fire down. You, you, need, you need to capture that. You need to capture the spark because fucking when it goes, it, it's gone, you know. You yep. walk around, walk away and you need to come back another day. I just I've, – I've, I've taken – so every time I pick a guitar up now, like I, I put a, a video out on my Instagram and my Facebook page, of, you know, like one of my little guitar sound journey things. And um, I've just taken to every time I set up like that, it's like I'm going to capture it. It's, it just needs to be captured because I know I'm going to capture something. It's not, it's not going to happen again. Those sounds won't happen again. You know, that the way that sound destroyed itself the way it ate itself up i'm not going to capture that again so i may as well capture it and that becomes your body of work you know that's that's a very very um cool thing to think about um and if you can afford the the memory on your phone just just sort of to set it up and that way the more that you do it i guess the l- less conscious you will be of that video going because quite often too I know that I think oh, I haven't done a video post for ages. Maybe I better do a little something just to, mm. I don't know. And then you put the phone down yeah. and you're, you're constantly like looking at it going, oh, this re- that, it's recording, it's recording. How do I look? What's the light like? Oh, how does it sound? And then <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah. I think if you're doing it every time, you'd be less conscious of all those factors and it would just dissolve and then you'd just like be totally into the instrument and the creation and all that. So, yeah, it's a good little good little tip. Yeah, yeah. just cap- capture it all, do it, get get good at it, and you know, if you if you can, yeah, if you take that out of it and you get into the zone of well, I'm just playing and creating. That's that's really what you want. That that's that's where you want to be and you want to live. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's 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 finish up with a, a question that I've asked a few other people on the podcast. It's just nice to get a, a bit of a continual sort of finishing thought. Um, piece of kit yeah. or piece of gear, regardless of value, it doesn't even have to be a musical thing. It could be anything that has helped your career in some way, or your musical ability, or your outlook on music, or something that has made a profound influence on and you. As Shannon in the musical form, Pantheon. <laughs> um, look, I just think it's it's the it's it's just the value of staying engaged with the love of music because essentially that's what we do. We we love music. We're we're fans of music, and it's also like sometimes you need license to really chase the things you love really learn about the things you love and go hard into it. Like work it out nuts and bolts from a technical point of view. You can do that because once you go through that, you come out the other side better and more equipped. But I guess 
there's so much music out there all the all the time. There's just music every day. There's music every second of the day. Um, find the things you like and just go hard into them and don't worry about hearing everything because you're never going to hear it all. Find your favourites. And there's most mostly books written about the great people we love. And yeah. try and make contact with the people you love too, you know, in, in your scene and learn from them. You know, I was so lucky to have Chris and his family and... Jeff Lang and all these people are mentors and still I, I still learn and but dig dig deep into yourself. Dig dig hard into yourself. At the end of the day, I can still sit down with a guitar in my hands and I still love it like I did when I was ten years old. You know. It's that's something that the industry can kind of try to beat out of you, but just don't lose that because that's that's really keep the love. Keep the love for playing. Keep the love yep. for whatever you do. Yep. Yeah. Wise words, my friend. Yep. And especially that mentorship thing, I think that's great too, is just having people you, you can 100% trust with no matter what angle of life you want to communicate with them, um, be it personal, be it musical, be it whatever. Like everyone needs someone to, to shoot the breeze with and to get some professional or just, just personal advice from or, or just not even ask for advice, just like just be around and just get influenced by and supported. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And know who's talking shit to you as well. Like, yeah. like I, I did a music course that was really was really great for me. But I have these industry days, and they bring in the most shit bitter people in music to stick yeah. there and talk. Yeah, talking to all these young music students, and like at times you'd be sitting there going, "Fucking, why am I doing it? Why yeah. do, why am I even gonna go off into this thing?" But Go off into that thing because there's so much life to be had there and there's so many great experiences that you could have if you just wake up every day and, and, and love it and just go. It's, it's it's not a question for me to, to love what I do. It's not a question for me to love. Guitar happens to be my thing, you know, just love that thing and just wake up every day and, and love it and give it what you have to give it. Some days it's not great. But it doesn't matter. Tomorrow's yeah. different. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Well, wise words yeah. to leave on there, mate. I reckon we wrap it up for today. And thanks very much for your time and energy and being on the show. And hopefully we can catch up in the in the flesh before you know it. Yeah, man. And share some stories, maybe share some leaks and um get a be fun. or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jenkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks, Shannon. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Pete. Great no to worries, see you. You too, Thanks man. for reaching out. Pleasure. We'll do it again. See ya. Catch you later. Thanks for listening, folks, to another episode of Say It With Guitars. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it around to your mates, leave a good review, and hopefully we'll see you next time.